you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I am very happy to share the word today, very honored to share the word. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for, for the invitation to do so. Um, we're in a good house, folks. I was, I was sharing that earlier with some folks this morning. You're in a good house, and I want you to know that. You know, sometimes we don't, we don't realize what, what we have. Um, and the presence of God is here. We have wonderful leadership that loves us and is covering us. And I just wanted to honor the father of the house today for just a moment. So can we give, can we give God praise for the way, for Pastor Tim and all the leadership here? Thank you, Lord. Lord. Amen. Happy Father's Day, Pastor Tim. <laughs> Love you, man. Love you, man. All right. Uh, today is Jehovah 4. We're going to be talking about El Rohi, the God who sees. Not a typical Father's Day message, but I think we're going to get there. I think we're going to get there. Uh, if you would, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to break in at verse 7. So Genesis chapter 16, and I'm going to begin here in verse 7. And it says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. And then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. This is where we get El-Rohi, the God who sees. You are a God who sees. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Therefore, the well was called Be'er Lahai Roai. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. And Abraham, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We say happy Father's Day to you. Thank you. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for bringing us into your family. And we just thank you that you are the God who sees. And Jesus, I just pray that your word would rest upon our hearts today, that we would receive it, Lord, and be changed by it. And I bless this body. We bless your word, Father. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can, you can be seated. So let me give you some context as to where we are with this passage. Now, back in Genesis 15, Abram received a promise from God. And God told him, you know, look up at the stars. If you can count them, that'll be the number of descendants that you have. So you're going to have more descendants than, than the stars in the sky. Now, here's the thing about that. It hasn't happened yet. So as we read in the first part of Genesis 16, here's Sarai, okay? And she's going, I know this promise. 
I know God gave us this promise, but it's not happening yet. And I guess it's just not going to happen through me. So I've got this servant, Hagar, Abram. Hey, man, why don't you just marry her? And let's, you know, let's let her carry children for us. That way we can make this promise happen. We can get it going. So she gives her handmaiden to Abram as his wife. Now, the thing about Hagar is she conceived. She did have, she did become pregnant and had a baby from Abram. But then she started looking down on Sarai. And then she started kind of treating her with contempt, all right? And Sarai didn't like that. So she complains to Abram and says, hey, do you see what I'm dealing with here with this? And so, you know, Abram, he says, do with her as you wish. So what does Sarai do? She starts to mistreat Hagar to the point that she runs away. And that's where we kind of break into our passage today is where Hagar has run away. And she's, she's in this wilderness experience. She's pregnant. She's alone. She's feel like, she feels like she's had a raw deal. She's been done wrong. She's done some wrong herself. Um, and so in the, in the process of this, the Lord comes to speak to her. So it's here where she uses that phrase, El-Rohi, the God who sees. So what exactly did God see? Not necessarily what Hagar thought she wanted God to see, but here's what God saw. God saw Hagar, and he saw that she had mistreated Sarai. He saw that she was mistreated by Sarai, and he saw her alone, pregnant, and without hope in this desert. That's what God saw. The God who sees, who she's expecting something else, that's what he sees. And we know this because of what he asked her. What's well, the very first thing he said to her whenever he comes onto the scene? It's right there in verse 8. It says, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Now, if you know anything about God, he never asks a question he doesn't already know the answer to, yeah. right? And we're going to hold on to that for just a second. But that's the beautiful thing about God is that he's not asking the question because he needs an answer. He's asking a question because he needs to put her in the place of reality. He needs to bring her to a place of truth. And she has to come to that revelation in his presence. So, so there's three things that created this situation for her. All right? First off, it was Sarai's impatience to see the promises of God fulfilled in herself. That's the first thing that created this whole mess. Is Sarai's impatience to allow the promise of God to be fulfilled in her life. We'll get back to that. The second thing was Hagar's disregard for Sarai as Abram's wife. She couldn't submit to the authority of the woman of the house. That's the second thing that created the situation. And the third thing was Sarai's mistreatment of Hagar that causes her to run away. So here we are. We've got these three things happening in Hagar's life. Like I said, some of them are on other people. Some of them are on her. But here we are in the wilderness alone with what we thought was a promise and no hope. But here comes God. So when, when she encountered the Lord, she recognized in that moment as, as she begins to, ha- begins to have this, this discourse with God, this conversation with God, that he sees into our situations, even when we don't realize that he's there. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Like when, <laughs> when we feel like we're the person of promise, he's there. When we're mistreating the actual person of the promise, he's there. When we feel like there's no hope, 
We've been done wrong. We, we've got a raw deal. He's there. And, and Hagar, in her wilderness experience right now, is just having this revelation of he sees. He sees who I am. He sees where I've been. He sees where I'm going. And he took care of all three situations, actually. What's really interesting to note is that God does take care of all three of these situations that Hagar created and Sarai created. So he gives, he gives Sarai Isaac about 13 to 14 years later. If you keep reading, you learn that Isaac is born to Abram and Sarai. He is the child of promise. He is, he is the child that God promised Abram and Sarai. God instructs Hagar to submit to Sarai and return. So I'm going to let that sink for just a minute. And then God sends Hagar back to Abram and Sarai. So here we've got these three situations that are going on. And the God who sees asks Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? Sometimes we have to walk through some things for God to humble us to the place to where he can actually speak into our lives. And this is what happened in Hagar's life is that she thought she was going to be that that person who delivers this promise. You can't live around somebody like Abram and not know what God spoke to him, okay? So, like, that's the thing, is that in this, in this community that they're in, you know, someone like Hagar, she would know, hey, that's, that's Abram. You know what God spoke to him? It's an awesome thing. And then the next thing you know, here she is saying, what? I'm going to be the person that helps to deliver this promise in his life? You know, and that is exciting to be able to, to partner with somebody to help them fulfill what God's called them to do in their life. But where she went wrong was she allowed her arrogance to deceive her into realizing that that was not her position. That was not the place God had for her. And the reason that that was created was because of Sarai's impatience. The impatience to receive the promise for herself caused her to try to move it on ahead and make it happen. And how often do we do that in our lives where we try to just move ahead? Okay, God hadn't moved yet. Well, I'm just going to make it happen. That's what he wants me to do. He wants me to just to plow ahead and just make this happen and make this promise come to the point to where not only do we not receive it for ourselves in the right way, but we wound other people in the process. That's, that's the heaviness, guys, when we allow arrogance to influence us. When we allow our own self-righteousness to put us in a place to where we think we can make God's promise happen outside of him, not only does it create wounding in our own lives, but we hurt other people along the way too. There were two women who got hurt in this story. One for trying to make the promise happen and the other one for not being humble enough to realize her position, for not submitting to the authority in her life. So there's a quick point here. When we try to make God's will happen in our own power, the result will not be the blessing we want, but God may honor it anyway. Wow. He did that in Hagar's life. Crazy, yeah. did, you, did, you hear, did you hear what he said? Here, I'll, I'll read it to you. He told her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. That's a familiar promise. If you read in Genesis 15, that's what he told Abram. The promise was still there. You know, God said, hey, look, I know this is kind of a bum rap, but I'm good. 
I'm going to extend grace in this situation, and I'm still going to honor this. But if you go on to read about Ishmael, you kind of know that it, that's about where it ends, right? He kind of goes off in a whole different random other place, right? Which you, that's a whole different message in and of itself. I'll let you read that. But uh, just hearing how God describes who Ishmael is, you can see that that really is not the promise God had in mind. But he still honored the promise, okay? God sees. He sees the good. He sees the bad. He sees the high. He sees the low. The reality is that when we're in a place to hear from him, he'll make his presence known and available to respond to us. Hagar was sure. I mean, think about how she treated Sarai. She was sure she was in the place of honor. I'm carrying the promise. I'm the anointed one. I'm the chosen one. I'm the titled one. I'm the one in the position now. Do you see where her, her, her mindset started to get her into trouble? It created that, that arrogance, that cockiness, to where she totally, totally missed the point. She was no longer in submission to, to Sarai at this point. But it took a wilderness experience to humble her to hear from the Lord. And that's the thing, is that God is not looking, he's not looking for the position we're in. He's not looking for the title we may carry. He's not looking for the place of honor we might sit in. And let me just reassure you, those are all good things. Those are things that, you know, he, he can promise to us and he can make happen. Those are good things. But it's how we handle those promises that are going to determine how they end up. And see, in Hagar, in, in her lack of wisdom and understanding... She put herself in a position where her humility was gone. She no longer was able to humble herself, even in front of Sarai. You know, Sarai was the wife of the promise. That's Abram's wife. But Hagar put herself in that position, and I'm running the show now. And what did it take to get her back into the place of understanding? It took a wilderness experience, and God will do that. Sometimes... He'll take you directly from the top and put you in the desert. Now, it's not to be mean. It's actually his grace. It's actually his grace and his mercy and his love for us to say, I want to change this in you. And the first thing he started with, after he asked her a question, the question was to get her to think, oh, where have I come from? Well, I was a servant. And then I got put in the place of honor. And now I'm in the desert. And where are you going? So there's your reality. But your future is going to be determined by how you respond to what comes next and how you interact with me. Wow. And that's the reality we have to face. Is we're, we're, in, we're living in that same choice. Yeah. We have to realize where have we come from? <coughs> what have we walked through? What has God brought us through? Wow. Where are we going? Our, our ability to inherit the promises for our life is going to be absolutely equal to the amount we can humble ourselves before the Lord and just simply follow his direction. 
Now, to answer that second part, he, he, just, he simply says this, go back to Sarai and Abram. Now, think about that for a minute. Now, here's this woman who's, who's you know, she's pregnant, she's alone, she's got no help, no hope. She's just been kicked out of, like, a really awesome place, okay? Abram was a rich dude, okay? He had lots of stuff, all right? So it was nice to live in his house. But here she is. She's been removed from all of that. And she's got a choice. She can go back or she can stay in the desert. Now, if you follow along in Scripture and you see it, she returns. So that tells me that she had a heart change. She received humility. She humbled herself. Man, that's hard. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me. I need Jesus whenever I have to go humble myself to people who've done me wrong. Especially when I know I'm right. Let me throw that one in there. You know, Hagar could have had an attitude and said, okay, I'll come back. But, I mean, I did what you asked me to do. I did what you told me to do. I married your husband like you asked me to do. I care, I'm carrying this baby like you. But see, that's not humility. <laughs> Humil- and God, God will not fight your fight for you until you get to that place. And then it's a beautiful thing when he does fight your fight for you. Because that's when transformation begins to happen. It would not just happen in your life, but you'll see it in other people's lives too. And he'll give you grace for it. And he gave grace to Hagar to go back. He gave her that choice, and she took the right one. She was sure she was in the place of honor, but it took a wilderness experience to humble her to hear from the Lord. I want to draw, you, draw your attention to Psalm 33. Let's go ahead and flip there. Psalm 33, verses 18 and 19. And this is another passage that deals with El-Rohi, the God who sees. And I just want you to think for a moment of what he sees. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. So here's what his eye is on. You know, we've talked about how Hagar's, you know, arrogance kind of got her into some trouble. Look at who, got, who's, who his eye is on. First off, it's on those who fear him. And then the second thing his eye is on is on those who hope for his loving kindness. I wish it was an or statement for our sake, but it's really an and statement. First, his eyes are on those who fear him. His eyes are on those who can humble themselves before God and walk according to what he tells them to do. His eyes are on those who have that reverential fear, that holy fear of him, because he is Lord, he is creator of all, and he knows what's best. And it's my ability to submit to that. That's where it all starts. It all starts in this place of I'm not in charge. And we type A's have a hard time with that because, man, we just really want to be in charge. I know what to do. I know how to fix this. No, you don't. I love you, but you don't, okay? He does. That's where it begins. It begins with a fear of God. But what else does it say? It's an and statement. And those who hope for his loving kindness and have faith. Faith, that's what it is. That hope for his loving kindness, the hope for him to show you good, the hope for him to extend grace and mercy to you, that is faith. That is where it's at right there. It's in the ability to submit to his will for my life, 
in humility and to trust him. Because it takes faith to trust God. It takes faith to trust God. That's the problem with, with Sarai's situation. She didn't trust God enough to say, it hasn't happened in all these years. Is it ever going to happen? Well, I'm just going to make it happen. She had a fear of God up to a point. She put a limit on her fear of God. And what did that do? It ruined her faith. Because now I'm putting faith in what I know I can do. She had the power to do exactly what she did. She had every right to do what she did in those days. That was a normal thing. But it wasn't the will of God. That's the problem. Is that God wanted to fulfill it through her. And God is looking for those who fear him and who hope for his loving kindness. Now I want you to look and see what happened in verse 19. Here you get to see what happens when you do those things. He delivers our souls from death. And he keeps us alive in famine. That's what he does. If you trust him, you fear him, you honor him, you do what he tells you to do and submit your life to him in faith, he will deliver you from death and he will keep you alive during famine. When Hagar was ready to see and hear from the Lord, the Lord's presence was made known to her and she received his loving kindness in both ways. When she was ready to hear from the Lord, he saved her soul from death, and he kept her alive very much so in a real-life famine. I don't know if you've been to a desert lately, but unless you're a nomad who lives there all the time, you don't know where water and food is, okay? That's the reality. He did both of those things for her because she was finally in a place to fear the Lord and to hope for his loving kindness. And you can even see her attitude change in Scripture because she comes to this revelation of like, how am I still alive? Like, man, if anybody sees God, they bite the dust. They're gone. How am I still alive now that I've seen him? Because he's good. Because he's full of mercy. He sees us. He made us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And knowing that he sees us allows us to operate in such a manner that keeps him in his place as Lord, Savior, and creator of us all. He's a good father. He's a good father. And while this is not the typical Father's Day message, he's a good father. There were three qualities of good fathers that we saw in God in this situation. These are three qualities I think make good fathers. It's not the only qualities, but they're aware, they're available, and they act in love. They're aware, they're available, and they act in love. So I want you to know God was aware of Hagar's situation. He knew all of the inner workings that created the situation. That's why he asked her those two questions. He was, he was very much aware. When she was ready to receive from him, he was available. How can she be alive? She just got face to face with God. Why? Because he was available. He was aware of her situation. He was available when she was ready to receive him. And, she, and then God acted in love to restore her and honor his promise to Abram's lineage, including Ishmael. You see that? He gave her counsel. He said, this is what you need to do. Now that you're ready to hear from me, go do this. 
And all it really started with was submission to authority. I'm, that's for free. That's not in my notes, but I'm just going to throw that one in. There's a, there's, a, there's a principle in that, guys. There's a principle in that. Hey, you, uh, and this is free too. This is not in my notes. You want to see faith that astounds Jesus? Read about the centurion. Read about the centurion. There's not many times in Scripture where you're going to see Jesus astounded by someone's faith. But when that centurion comes to him, and he talks about, I'm a man under authority, and I have men under authority under me, and when I tell this one to go do that and this one to go do this, they do it. Jesus was blown away by his faith. Now, that brother was talking about authority and submission to it, but Jesus was blown away by his faith. Do you see that there... You can go read and study. That's a whole other message too. But there is a definite connection between what faith is and our ability to submit to authority. So go read on that one. <clears throat> Let's look at another case in point. Let's go to Luke 15. Familiar passage of Scripture here. And I'm going to break in verses 17 through 24 here in Luke chapter 15. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I'll get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while, but while he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe. Put it, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. Now, obviously, this is, this is the story of the prodigal son. A lot of us know it. Here's this son who basically says to his father, I wish you were dead. Give me what you're supposed to give me when you die. And the father does. And the son, like an immature knucklehead, goes out and blows it all on stupid stuff. He has no money left, finds himself in a slave situation where he's feeding pigs, Slopping hogs, as they say where I'm from, okay? And he realizes, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat some of that because I got no other kind of food. He's eating with pigs. And there's that moment of revelation right there. Well, I'm not worthy to be called a son anymore. I know slaves in my dad's house, they eat better than this. They get steak once a week. I'm going to go back to my dad's house. And even though I'm not worthy to be called his son because I told him I wish he was dead, I'll come back and be a slave. But here's, here's the reality. And I'm going to try not to get emotional because, man, his goodness in this passage is just thick. Verse 20. I want you to look at how this father responds. When he was a long way off, he saw him. He was aware he wasn't just kind of passing the time going, well, so much for that, dude. Guess I'll just invest in my other kids. And no, he never lost hope. He never lost. He never gave up on his son. 
I can just imagine him day in and day out going out looking. Is, it, is today the day? He was aware. I want you to look at the next part. It said he was moved to compassion for him. In that moment, he said, my son, I'm the father. I'm available. He was aware. He was available. And then look at this next part. Now, he could have stood, <laughs> he could have stood right there and just let that kid walk up to him. But he ran to him. That was his action. It was one of his actions of love. He was aware he was available, and then he acted in love. There's my son who I've been waiting for, who I know is supposed to be here with me, and he takes off running. And that's not just enough. When he finds that smelly, stinky dude who's been laying with pigs, who probably was just dirty, he didn't go, go get a bath, and then we'll talk. Nope. Because of his great love, he grabbed him, he embraced him, he kissed him. And I'm pretty sure, you know, this son is just going, I'm not, I'm not worthy of all this. I'm, and, 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 he's just, and he's just not hearing or having any of it. He's loving on this guy. He looks at his servant. He says, don't go get me slave clothes. I want you to go look in my closet. And I want you to get the best robe I've got. And you got to bring it out here and you got to put it on him. Because he's my son and I need people to know it. And he says, and hey, while you're at it, grab my ring from off my desk. You know, the one that I stamp and seal all my letters with so people know that it's from me. Bring that out here because I got to put it on his finger because I need people to know who he is. And he's barefooted. Get him some shoes while he's at it. Go get the best set of Air Jordans I have in my closet, <laughs> and we're going to hook him up right now. Okay? He acted in love. He, and, not, and because he was aware available in the act of love, he restored his identity. He took this kid who was in that place of humility, just like Hagar, who said, I blew it. All this is on me. And the only thing I know to do is to be a slave. And he says, nope. It doesn't even matter. When I put my robe on you, nobody sees that anymore. When I put my ring on your finger, nobody sees that anymore. You're my son. You're not a slave. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're not a slave. That's what good fathers do. And really, here's my point and the only point for today's message. God sees us, is with us, and is moved to action that expresses his love even when things seem unfair, difficult, or impossible. That's the point of it all. He sees us. He's with us. And he's moved to action that expresses his love even when things seem unfair, difficult, or impossible. I want you to know he is cheering you and I on. He is encouraging us. He is, he's rallying behind us. He's leading us. He's correcting us. He's helping us to move more and more toward his will for our lives as long as we are willing to surrender to him in a spirit of humility. Why is that such a big deal? God, why do you continue to hit this thing with humility? Because it's not about you or me. You know, we read this passage out of Romans. I believe it's in Romans 12. But it talks about good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, some people might look at that as an all in all. I kind of look at it like this. There's a good will of God. There's a pleasing will of God. And there's a perfect will of God. And I would argue that I want to be in the perfect will 
of God. There are things that are going to be good from God. There are things that are going to be pleasing from God. There are things that are going to be perfect from God. And that's where I want to be. But it begins by recognizing that it's not my will. It's his. It's not my will. It's his. You're not alone. Remember that you need to persist in your faith. And when you're in trials or you're being tested, that God's with you. He sees you. He's cheering you on. And to just kind of close this thing, here's the other side of it. You know, we have this, like, awesome story of a father's love. But, man, there is nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's a great thing to see, you know, to see a prodigal son return home or a prodigal daughter return home, you know, seeing people come back to the Lord. But there's no other joy as a father that I have than when my kids succeed, man. Like, I remember when my son auditioned for Harrison and he got in. Like, that kid had been working. He'd been practicing. He'd been trying. And the day we found out, I'm just like, yeah, whoa, come on, man. You know, I'm fired up by that, you know. Now, am I there when he messes up and he has? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we are. We're there. But let me just help you understand. There's nothing that fires God up more for you than when you are walking in his will and doing exactly what he wants you to do. There's nothing that will get him to go, yeah, whoa, come on, yeah, you know, than when you're doing that. And that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to accomplish his will for your life. Let's take some time here and let's go ahead and bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing in our lives. You're good. You're good, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So as we wrap up the service today, I just want to give you some time to just have some, have some time with the Lord. And the first thing I just want to encourage you in is that know that God sees you. He is the God who sees you, and he has a plan for you. And maybe you're here in this service today, and you don't know God. Deb, would you come? Thank you. You don't know this God who sees you, or you don't know that he has a plan for you. He wants to encounter you today. And if that's you, if you want to meet Jesus for the first time in your life today, you want to say, I'm in that wilderness experience right now, and I need to have that encounter with God. If you need to know Jesus for the first time, just lift your hand right now with every head bowed, every eye closed. If anybody needs to come to the Lord today, he's here. He is here. Thank you. See that hand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Maybe you're in this place today where you just simply need to repent in the presence of God. Know that God sees us in the good and he also sees us in the bad. And maybe you just need to let him search your heart for areas where you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's a situation where you've been like Sarai and you've tried to make his promises happen and it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to and you've become offended because that promise didn't look exactly the way you thought it should look. Maybe you've been mistreated or maybe you've mistreated others. There's forgiveness and healing today if that's you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, 
Just lift your hand. If that's you. Yeah, I see those hands. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. And then maybe there are just some of us who know that God wants to act in love towards us. They need to know God wants to act in love towards us. Maybe you're here today and you're walking with the Lord and you just need to receive his love in a deeper way. Some people in this house today just simply need to know that God loves you. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you during the prayer time today to come forward. Can we say this prayer after me? And if you are receiving salvation today for the first time, I definitely want you to pray this with me. Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that God raised you from the dead to save me. Thank you for saving me. I receive your Holy Spirit and I submit to your will for my life. Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to have people up here to pray with you guys today. If you need prayer for anything, for anything, please come forward and receive prayer. Pastor Tim. Just for the sake of time, we have another service that's going to be starting in like 10 minutes. We want to give you guys a chance to see each other. We'll have the prayer partners down here. It is Father's Day, so we pray that you guys have the best steak in the world today. And um, uh, what a great message, though, that God receives. And I feel like that is a word for some people here to know that you've, he knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. And ultimately, he knows where he wants to take you, if you'll let him. Kyle, that was awesome. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Uh, we love you guys. Would y'all stand as I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over you. And if you want prayer for anything, if you would come down front as we close. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for friends and family. And I thank you for fathers that are here today. Lord, I speak your blessing over them. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would move on them. That there would be laughter and joy and gratitude. I know as a dad, I am so grateful for you, Lord. Because it's... The worst version of me comes out all the time, but it's you that redeems me and shows me how to, how to love like you. You are so good, Lord, and I, I love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and I speak your blessing over your sons and daughters today in Jesus' name and all God's people said. I love you guys. We'll have our prayer partners down front. All the dads, get yourself a pop. I love you. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.